I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Dragonheart. Joining me, Bill Long, is uh, Mark Griffiths and Neil Williams. Yay. Lads, have you recovered? Have your ears recovered from the chanting at Tramier yet? <laughs> it was loud, wasn't it? Wow. I mean, I, I don't know, obviously don't know what it was like in the ground because I wasn't there, but it sounded amazing on the stream. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was wasn't it, Neil? The, the volume the Wrexham fans were putting out was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, the 2,000 fans there made a, a heck of a noise. The whole game, you know, they had, they had lots to cheer about, but when they had one goal, but yeah, great, great atmosphere. To be in that middle of that 2,000 fans would have been fantastic on Saturday. But you're yeah, still I mean, against the millions there. <laughs> yeah, I had <laughs> next to Mark and yeah. trying to, when we scored, to actually uh, keep quiet and not celebrate too much was the biggest uh, biggest problem. You were concerned because yeah. the Tramway fans were around us and we had to move quite late from one end of the press box to the other, didn't we? And the, the, the side we were at originally, there weren't that many people sitting there, to be honest, and those that did didn't look too intimidating. But then we moved to the other side where, well, they, they sort of looked more diehard and there was certainly a lot more of them. But they, they I think they were placid enough, to be fair, I think. Yeah, what a great performance the lads put on for the team, you know, for the, the fans as well. I mean, I thought we, we played really well. I mean, so much possession. Where they got the stats from the BBC, I do not know. But did you see see that they only gave us 47% stats? Um, possession. Possession-wise, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, let's, like, like, let's, let's, like, properly crack into it. We will. I, I really introduced this properly today, but we'll get on to the Newcastle game. Uh, we do also have a, a, an interview, uh, quite a special interview, but we'll go through that in a bit more detail later. And uh, we, we do have the the new signings that we've made to talk about as well. But yeah, going on to those possession stats. Hang on. Um, we do. I have an introductory point we should be making, which is on. I have been busy this weekend. You say about getting over the Tramier game, Griffiths never stops. Griffiths never sleeps. <laughs> um, so I've been attempting a bit of poor sign matchmaking. We went to Mike the Ref's uh, whole sanctuary open day on Sunday, Mrs. G and I, and we met Arthur, the pig. i, I got to say, what a gentleman he is. He's, he's, a, he's a very nice fellow. In fact, I, I, he's particularly taken with Emma. Emma moved to the side and started talking to him in her best, I'm talking to the cat's voice. And he came trotting across to her and just was hanging around with her, just listening to her talking to him. So she's 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 mentioned Matilda, you know, in case there is a future for them. I know this is all a bit arranged, sort of Prince Charles, Lady Diana sort of stuff. <laughs> but, you know, Neil, be keeping open minds because, you know, Arthur's a catch. I mean, he's got tusks. That guy's got tusks. Well, Matilda's due to give birth any day now, I should say. Oh, right. Oh, she married already. Well, she, I had a fling, should we say. <laughs> Fair enough. Not married. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go and see Arthur about this, but I think he'll keep trying. I love possessions. She'll, she'll need to see a, a young gentleman in about 10 weeks' time again. So, yeah. Oh, well, in that case, yeah. you know, well, I think Arthur's got, he looks like a man with a bit of get up and go about him. So, I think most boys have got a bit of get up and go on about them, yeah. 
<laughs> play. Maybe I'll keep him away from my wife in the future. <laughs> Is that the point I, that I edit out? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, but... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, for 47% possession, it's currently more possession than Arthur has on Matilda, but... Very true. <laughs> but... but uh, I never know really with possession stats. They're the, and I haven't watched the game back. Do you do you think that's a fair amount? Do you think it's close to? I know they did have periods of the ball, but they just didn't really do a lot with it, did very they? Few, very few periods on the ball. I mean, it, first half we totally dominated. I I said I think I said to Mark in the commentary, about eighty twenty to Wrexham in the first mm, half. It is, yeah. Um, well, firstly, I would say that uh, the reason Arthur's not got forty seven possession. Uh, percent possession of Matilda is because he's very route one, and secondly, <laughs> he's a direct big. Um, <laughs> and I actually, right when I first saw those stats, when you uh, messaged them across, didn't you? And my first reaction yeah. was astonishment. And I actually, I then thought about it, I tried to dig deeper, and they don't quite give us the sort of detailed stats you might get at a higher level you know where you can well it might do but i haven't found it yet the website you know where you can condense it into different parts of the game um but i think it might be right because yeah. if you think about it tramia had a hell of a lot of completely passive possession in their own half just passing center back center back keeper in fact of the four i did find out the four tramia players with the most touches were the two center backs and the goalkeeper now, if your goalkeeper's like up there in terms of touches, oh, and the other one was that Hendry who often dropped back to split the centre-backs. So I think they had a lot of the ball, but they didn't do much with it. Does that make sense? So I, I think it's one of those things where possession stats tell you so much. But we were very effective with the ball going forwards. So there's more to that story than them, them having more of the ball because I, I barely felt threatened until they actually set the keeper up for the 97th minute. Yeah, I would maybe agree, but I, I still don't agree with the, the stats of just 47% for Wrexham. I, I thought it would be far more, maybe 60-40, you know, in Wrexham's favour for the whole game. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the stats don't stats don't win your games, as, as you no. say. If, you know, if their stats are correct, mm. you know, Tramia did very little with the ball. They, you know, they didn't trouble the keeper very much. They didn't mm. trouble the defence a lot. Uh, um, and I think I, I said it as well during the commentary. You know, the only time you heard Tramia fans was about three times during the game. Yeah. Um, I thought Wrexham was superb. Um, we got the winning goal, one goal, which was always needed, that we had to wait for the second half for that. But, um, you know, the chances we had in the first half, which which is a little bit concerning, um, that we didn't put maybe one or two of those away. But, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll click. And I think Bill may have said, you know, or, or somebody said, you know, one of these games, somebody's going to be in for the hiding. Wrexham are really going to click and going to put four or five past the team. And I think that's that might happen maybe as, as soon as Saturday with Doncaster with their with their their record. So we'll, we shall see. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I've I've just gone slightly quiet. So I'm looking on who scored, which is mm. uh, a website that they don't do stats below League Two, which is brilliant. You can actually get a real good like proper breakdown yeah. of the stats. If you didn't see the scoreline and you looked at the raw stats, the, the, the age-old, there's lies, damn lies and statistics, mm. they look like they had the most possession. Yeah. They look like they had, uh, you know, like a, a, an incredible game. And, and looking at the breakdown, I think they did just have periods of uh, 
you can actually you can chunk the possession for them. And up until half time, we had more. It's definitely worth a look, but they had a period just before half time where they had lots of possession. So I think it's just that little bit in the second half, like you say, Mark, where we just let them have the ball because they weren't damaging us that they that, that just pushed them slightly above. But I, I can you drill down to say because I couldn't I went on who scored as well, some other sites to see who had possession in the thirds. You know, um, because it shows that a lot of the game happened in the Tranmere defensive third. But I suspect they will have an inflated amount of possession, if you like, because they were just passing the ball sideways. And and then they they didn't have the creativity. So in the end, one of them would lose patience, as Humber at the pitch, and then we had it, and then we'd attack them. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, to be fair, I don't, I don't know to ha- have a proper look. At it, but, uh, you know, I, I would have I would have said from, from sight that we definitely had more possessions. To yeah. say that they had more seems weird. Mm. Um, the, the ratings on who scored are a bit strange as well. So yeah. I don't know whether you've, whether you've seen this before, Neil, yeah. but who scored? They're a good website. It's interesting. And they give every player a, a stat based on their performance. But they've started providing the team of the week based on... The stats. Uh, so they take all the say all the centre backs and the top two rated other just they're just the default two centre backs. And Tom Davis, their centre back, was in the team of the week. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show like how ridiculous that is because Aaron Hayden. Well, it says he got eight point one, but I'm assuming because he didn't play the full ninety, he wasn't eligible for team of the week, which is ridiculous. We got eight point one and scored a header, so he he should be in team of the week, but. It was only for our poor finishing that he's got a 7.7 mm. because we could have scored four or five in that first half, couldn't we? And that, how, how a Tramia centre-back is getting into team of the week after that match, yeah. I do not know. That just absolutely baffles me. Well, I agree with you, but I'll, I'll put out what I think might be an explanation um, because I saw that. And until that match, I mean, looking at a few scores, we found it really interesting because I, I found obviously all that what they're doing is they're crunching those all the data around they to work out how effective players are. So they're looking at headers made, interceptions, things like that from those centre backs, and they're working out you know just how well they did. Um, until this game, I thought that those ratings they gave players were uncannily accurate. I was quite impressed by how it felt like it was reflecting the game I saw. But this one, yeah, you're right. I mean, Davis has a massive figure, doesn't he? Nine, nine points something, was it, or something like that? It was terrific. Um, well, it, it, looking at it here, it was 7.7. 7, but for, oh, okay. for, right. for reference, Toza got 7.1 and Boyle got 7.1. Mm. I, so, I wonder whether it's partly volume, you know. Of course, and yeah. And, it, and if he's... If he's because there were a few clearances and stuff. If he's cleared those balls away, he, he probably has had a good game. I don't want to take it away from him yeah. and... The website is a good website. I just don't see how, in terms of purely in terms of teams of the week, how you could put a player, regardless of whether they got 7.7, how you could put a player in a game that that team should have conceded five or six. Well, Palmer and uh, uh, Dolby troubled them. And yes, they did win a lot of headers, both Turnbull and Davis. And so statistically, that's going to look good, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. They only let one goal in, and by my recollection, it wasn't either of their faults. It was Yarny uh, losing Hayden as he ran in, and then 
somewhat naively. I, I, you know, it looked like Palmer blocked him off. I don't think he actually intentionally did. I think it was Yarny lost Hayden, panicked, sprinted, and ran into Palmer. And then once he'd once he'd done that, he was never going to get near Hayden. Um, so I suppose you could argue one goal against them that just you, the stats could add up. But I think anyone watching the game there, I like stats. I think it's good to have that extra thing to analyze. But I think the figures from that game didn't really reflect what happened in the game. No, not at all. But anyway, enough of the number crunching. Just in, just in terms of the, the general play, lads, how, how did it feel commentating that? We felt comfortable, didn't we, Mark? I thought yeah. um, defensively we were very good. Attacking, we, yeah, we, we were so quick on the break and caused them so many problems. I think I think Parky's got to really have a look at that team he started with on, on, on last Saturday and think, well, you know, that's got to be my, my starting eleven barring maybe a couple of tweaks here and there. But I think midfield, we look far stronger. Um, defensively, with Hayden back, we look we look great. Uh, and Dalby and Palmer did really well up front. You know, they, he hasn't partnered them together very often, but um, they did really well. You know, they, they both run their hearts out. Um, so, yeah, I'd see the core of that team, especially the midfield, uh, and you're starting, you know, lined up for most well, Possible future until Mullin comes back, and maybe Tony Cliff obviously came back um, from injury, but he's on his return. But um, I thought it was a superb performance, really enjoyable game. It was only 1 0, but such an exciting game to watch as a, a Rexham fan. Um, and can't fault their work rate and their ethics. I thought as a team, they, you know, as I said earlier, their, their passing was slick, their movement was fantastic. Very rarely went for the long ball over the top. We all played it through midfield and, and down the wings. Um, Barnett had a great game on one wing as well and yeah I think overall you couldn't have criticised one player on that Wrexham team they all, they all put in a fantastic shift we struggled to pick them out of the match because they you know nobody really stood out but um, yeah I really enjoyed and privileged to go and watch that game and be able to uh, commentate on it live and I thought too many of them stood out that was what made it difficult there were so many yeah. performances weren't there you know and McLean as well Ooh. Oh what yeah. what from from in terms of like watching it on TV, what a performance from him! He's a cut above, isn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. He'd be disappointed he didn't score. Mind, I think he's yeah. He's got the quality to finish in those situations. He had two one on ones, tightish angle, and the second one, the pass sent him a bit wide. But yeah, he he'd be disappointed not to score. But wow, he's good, isn't he? Oh, he's really good. He's he's gonna he's gonna have some fun in this division, I think. Mm. Just want to get a bit of continuity for him, you know. He's he's on international duty now. He had their injury before, uh, and, he, and he'll be on in, he'll be on international in October again as well, yeah. he, which is a bit of a shame. So yeah, oh, well, it's yeah. Not, not it's good problems to have that though, isn't it? Mm. And Mendy's on international duty as well, isn't he? So no, he's not actually. Um, he the, the, he, I think he was in an, a, a preliminary squad, but when they chose their final squad, he wasn't in it. So he was okay. there yesterday on the Newcastle game, and he's available for Doncaster. Oh, okay, that's good. That's really good news. It's rare I get a uh, scoop in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're down the pub and you, they they get scooped into a a couple of pint glasses. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not often, Neil, is it? You come away from a derby game almost feeling sorry for the opposition. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong; I didn't feel sorry for the opposition at all. <laughs> <laughs> they were very poor. They were very poor. 
that's that's what I was getting at, really. Like they they look like relegation fodder if they carry on like that, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, until they set set the keeper up for the last couple of corners, you know, in the last minute of the game, did they trouble us at all? No, you know, I'm. I mean, their fans booed them off at half time. To be, you know, that's that's that shows how good they were, and I think you know the fans were expecting a lot more from them. Um, but no, I I felt quite quite comfortable watching Wrexham, but we were never going to lose that game. And I think and no, I don't feel sorry for Sammy at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not our problem, is it? <laughs> no, very true. No. <laughs> I didn't see many of them crying after the Chavi Bolero game. Put it that way. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, I didn't go to that game, but I've heard the stories, and yeah, fair news. It could it could have been like that for us, but I actually thought their keeper was probably their best player on the pitch. He, yeah, he kept the minute in the first half. Uh. Looking Which is, back. it's never particularly a good sign when you keep as your best player in a way, is it? Unless they're absolutely outstanding. That's what I mean about, you know, the high ratings for him and the centre-backs, just because they were kept busy, isn't it? Yeah. Remember, um, the season we finished bottom of the fourth division and didn't go down because there was restructuring. Uh, Mark Morris, our goalkeeper, was player of the season. And quite rightly, he was excellent. But when your goalie's player of the season, you know you must have had a bad season, don't you? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> But did, did you not feel a lot more comfortable with that defence, Mark, and that midfield yeah. that we played on Saturday? 100%. Stronger and mm-hmm. and defensively we were far better. Massively. I thought we looked really good without the ball. I think that's part of the reason why their Tranmere possession stats were flattering to them because they're passing that around at the back and, and they, they're trying to spot pockets of space or gaps that they can exploit, and they couldn't because we weren't allowing them that. Yeah, I I thought that we were we were very good without the ball. I mean, you're saying about them not troubling us, really. Like you said, you know, to keep their keeper going up to create freak circumstances was the one time we didn't really look in control. The only save I can remember Howard having to make was that one he made low down. It's quite a sharp save from Dennis. <laughs> yeah, but from that angle, Howard would expect to save it. What impressed me about it was he held it. His handling yeah. was so clean the way he took it mm. because that was the sort of thing you could easily spill in the goal mouth. But uh, it was a good save because he held it as well. But it wasn't a shot. He'd, he'd be upset if he let that in, I think. And that was it, I thought, from them. And, and you're right. I, I felt I never liked to tempt fate. 1 0 is never enough. But I, I felt really, you know, going into that last like seventh minute when the goalie went up until that point, I felt quite serene about the whole thing. I couldn't really see where they would get a goal back. I was, I was very happy. Yeah, yeah they brought up. Sorry. Sorry, go on, Neil. They brought on that young lad, didn't they? Yeah. Um, you wonder why he didn't he didn't come on a lot sooner because he was a he was one player that did cause his problems because he had pace yeah. and he's quite skillful as well. And he would drift they around were. and he'd try and get around the outsides of the centre backs and behind the wing backs, but but he didn't manage in the end to really produce anything too significant. And uh I mean Che was warning us before the game that he was a good player and he lived up to it, but you know, bottom line is a uh, pretty comfortable clean sheet, really. And, and, and in an away derby, followed yeah. up with a clean sheet on Tuesday. Mustn't grumble. Yeah, just, just looking at the who scored heat map. I'm going to be fascinated with this website. I think I'll be yeah. spending all the time on it now. Uh, I'll send you links our, to some other ones because they're good. Yeah, good. Yeah, great. Cheers. Um, our heat map is fairly evenly distributed. Yeah. We've got uh, you know some touches in our box. Their heat map. 
there's the, the amount of touches that they had in our box is very, very slim. And there's a huge red circle right in, in the middle of their their box. So obviously the yeah. amount of touches they had in that area just it just goes to show, really, doesn't it? Um it's, it's quite interesting seeing that visually when you've watched a game and you kind of know that's happened, but to actually see it on on a on a website is is interesting. Well, two more stats on that site to have a look at. There's one that breaks down where all our shots came from, and it was something like something crazy, like twenty six percent of our shots were inside the, their six yard box, which does ask the question again: Why don't we score more than one? Um, and the other one is look for the average position of the players because our our average positions of the players like Toza I think is the furthest one back and he's on the centre spot and all their players average positions are well into their half because yeah. most of the time they're touching the ball they're closer, much closer to their goal than the halfway line and I think that was very very revealing to be honest I'll stick links to those data sites in the bottom on the description of this as well, so everyone can have a little look. There's a, there's a few interesting sites out there, and I'm sure others I haven't seen that I'm very happy to learn about. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, like like you you said at the start of the season, this is what you were excited for, and I must admit, Mark, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a huge statistic sort of person. I kind of like I like to watch the game for the feel feel of it, but oh, yeah. at the same time, you know that this kind of backs up things that we've mentioned or talked about and yeah actually yeah, maybe yeah, I maybe i'll be converted maybe i will start being a, a statistic guy <laughs> what you was guys, that neil you've you just got too much time on your hands you guys have yeah oh yeah i i certainly have at the moment <laughs> bill while you were speaking then I, i'm sure i heard neil just go nerds that's <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it Renum Denham calls the IT crowd standard nerds yeah. <laughs> that's, that's us that's yeah. me so yeah, my, like... statistics, my statistics were the eyes I, I watched the game with the other day and I thought we were yeah. far superior and, and if, some, if somebody had not seen it they would get a far better impression of the game by listening to your description than by looking at those statistics, to be fair. Very true. <laughs> yeah. So, overall, uh, a, a really pleasing day for the Reds. Um, I, I think, g generally, that's a that's a result that we can use to go and, and build on for the rest of the season. It's also a performance that we can build on for the rest of the season, you know, because sometimes you have a a 1-0 game where you've scraped it and you think, right, we can kick off for me because we've shown a bit of character. But it wasn't wasn't quite one of those games. It was just the game where the character was there from start to finish, wasn't it? And we, we should have batted them. But actually, we how many games have we had in the past where we should have batted a team and then come away thinking, Christ, we've drawn that or <laughs> even lost sometimes. So mm. happy days all around, I think. Um yeah, I think another thing I said to Mark, you know, it was good to see two halves of the same game where Wrexham played, you know, consistently well throughout the whole whole game. You know, the, the last two away games, maybe we had really one good yeah. half and the second half was like mediocre. But I thought Saturday we, we played tremendously for the whole 90 minutes, which is really pleasing to see. And even more pleasing was was keeping, keeping that clean sheet. You know, it's the first one of the season for us. So in the league... 100% agree. I thought it was uh, very wise at the time when you said it, when you were saying how it's uh, our first two good halves put together in an away game. 100% correct. And 
yeah, I think it's very gratifying to to experience that, and it gives us something to build on, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we're over that, you know, because we came back in America late. I think a few mm. of the first two or three games have actually been like just building up your stamina and and whatever, you know, a bit like our friendlies, and they're, they're struggling to get going properly. But uh, I think now we've we've hit that hit the ground running now, and uh, I I can't see anything more than we'll we'll get better as each game goes by now. Yeah, agreed. And how um, how satisfying is it to be the league's top goal scorers without our top goal scorer? Yeah, yeah. We were the country's top goal scorers about a week ago, weren't we? I think. Were we? Wow. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 something. I think you know. That's we've got. We've got to be pleased with that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and we feel like we should be scoring more. So that's yeah. quite, that's quite yeah, something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, I was look, looking at the. The Doncaster game with uh, with Ran on for the the Teach Me mm. How to Wrexham podcast that we've been doing, and um, they're the the league's highest conceders, second highest conceders. We're the league's highest conceders and the league's highest goal scorers. So it's going to be nil nil, isn't it, on Saturday? Yeah. But we can, we can no get onto that later, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, after this, we're going to be talking about the Newcastle United uh, Papa John's Trophy game. I'm Gareth Owen, and this. Dragonheart. Newcastle United under 21s. Um, Mark, how was it commentating on a game in that atmosphere? Just to go on a like almost at the opposite of the Tramier game. Not that the atmosphere was bad, but it was a more family friendly, I think, wasn't it, than a Derby day? Yeah. Um, and I think part of that was because people knew that it wasn't such a high stakes game. There was no tension in it. And that's why it was quite very open, I thought, really. You know, both teams were attacking. Both teams should have scored more goals than they did. Um, and it was quite a nice, relaxed, enjoyable, you know, stretched out game with lots of space for teams to try to exploit. It was uh, it was good, but it's still a good atmosphere, like you say. It's still good noise. And I enjoyed myself, to be honest. Well, it, but, yeah, it's quite. It's quite funny because it was four young lads sat next to us uh, who don't don't usually sit in those seats. So obviously the people that we sit with haven't gone for whatever reason. And they're like, oh, it's boring by you. Should we go by the singers? And they disappeared at halftime. And then I felt like the atmosphere improved at, at halftime a little bit. So whether they've gone and started all the chants off, I don't know, but fair play to them if they did. <laughs> it was a great but, opportunity for the fringe players to get in and have, you know, 90 minutes under the belt and the, like the Fads and the McAlinden. Yeah. You know, it's good for them to come in the team. And Clueth, who's who's been out. I, mean, I can't fault Clueth, you know, he's no. still a young lad, but uh, he's obviously been dropped for for the first team at the moment. But uh, yeah, great for them to all get a 90 minutes out on the pitch there. It was great. I, I, for... oh, sorry, go on. Go on, go on, Mark. No, go on. So get back. Go on. Well, it's, it's just, um, it was really interesting to see Clueth play, actually, because he's an under-21 you know, he'd be el- if he was in a Premier League team, he'd be eligible for under twenty ones, and I think he just looked a cut above all of their players. He was, he, for me, he was one of the best players on the pitch. Uh, we, won't, we won't get into the statistics again, but I'll have a look at who scored in a minute to see what his rating was like. But I think you know, he didn't. He looked like he'd been playing men's football for two seasons, and they looked like they'd never played men's football before. So, you know, like. It does just go to show that sometimes sticking around for a Premier League academy isn't necessarily always the best uh, career pathway, is it? 
No, it's not a bad. It's not a bad one. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. Yeah. It's not the best way for every player, is it? I, I no. I think I think you're being a little harsh on Newcastle, who are better than I expected. <laughs> um, but having said that, yeah, uh, Clueworth was superb, and uh, it was nice to see because Neil, as Neil said, he's not getting uh, games now in the the first team, if you will, and you know we've got a lot of experienced players in the queue ahead of him, which is the problem for him, isn't it? But he looked very sharp, I thought, in that game. You know, mm. given an opportunity, he took it. It's a, it's a back three that's never played together. And Clueworth, I thought, was very good. And he was very bold getting up the pitch, you know, front forward sort of defending, front foot defending, driving past forward sometimes to give an option. There was one brilliant burst. He showed his real pace, flew down the right-hand side. Um, that, nah, it was good. He was very decisive and defensively and going forwards. Be fair to him, whenever he stepped in last season, he, he came on, he was fantastic. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's an old head on young shoulders, and he's, he's he's got skill, he's got quality for a young lad. I think he's fantastic, and he's got many, many years of, of great football ahead of him, and hopefully, staying at Wrexham. Mm. Absolutely. And then McLinden as well. It was nice. He was first game of the season. Fair play to him. He, uh, yeah, he put in a very good shift, didn't he? He did, yeah. And it just goes to show that the, the quality of depth we've got throughout the squad. I think some people, do you know what? I'm, I'm myself included at times during the summer was thinking, ooh, actually, especially after we lost to MK Dons, but like, ooh, actually, how how deep is our bench? But I think a lot of that is down to the fact that we haven't really um, played a lot of games over the summer and some of these players need time, don't they? I think Sam Dalby, you know, he's he's a perfect example of a player who just needs some minutes in, in his legs before he'll he'll kick on, really. Yeah, Dolby had his best game of the season, you know, a bit like last season, started a bit slowly and then was getting into it. McElindon, bless him, that goal. I thought the goal was hilarious that Dolby scored. <laughs> and I just had memories of McElindon's only goal for Wrexham when he runs through the entire Barnet defence and then scuffs a shot straight at the keeper who somehow manages to push it straight back at him and he scores the rebound. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's a little bit like that where the, the ball comes across he has a shot at it. Defender clears off the line. He has another shot at it. Keeper comes out and smothers it. Another keeper squirts it away somehow. And uh, Waters has a shot off the line. And then, as I said in commentary, Dolby says, hold my beer, boys. I'll show you how it's done. And he just pops in the bottom corner. But <laughs> back of Linden, feels like he needs at least two goes before he's going to get the ball into the net. Yeah, I, I need to watch that one again because I was sat behind the other goal, so I couldn't. Mm. All you could see was a, a big cluster of players and the ball bouncing around. So I didn't quite see exactly what had happened. I didn't even know it was Sam Dalby that scored until he announced it. So, yeah. Essentially, what it was was a beautiful move down the right hand side. But then once Ford put a great cross in, it then just became silly. It was just players shooting six yards out, cleared off the line. Again, you know, keeper dropping it. It was just, it was a, it was a proper comedy goal. Brilliant. There's some of the some of the best types of goals then. Yeah. Um we 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 got a really good look at well, kind of like merged the the transfer talk into this, I suppose, really. We got a really good look at um George Evans and Arthur Okonkwo. Is that I don't know how I'm pronouncing that right? Uh this mallet. <laughs> they 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 both impressed me. What did you think, Mark? Yeah, I like him. Evans was superb, I thought. Yeah. He was so composed on the ball. He's pinging out those switches to the, to Ford and just dropping them on his chest. Oh, it's just beautiful quality passing, and he was very solid 
at the back. He's organising well. He made good interceptions. He made that really good interception in the second half when the cross came in behind him and he's stretching towards his own goal six yards out and hooks it away for a throw in about 40 yards out. That was a great piece of defence. And I thought he, he looked mm. very good, looked like a leader. And he had a nice touch on him. And I, I, I mean, I think we're bringing him in to be a midfielder, not a centre-back. But we saw at Tramia that he carried the ball forwards quite well and was comfortable in tight little spaces. I think he looks like a quality player, to be honest. And He's got that potential to be uh, a match winner in terms of at least how how you know his interceptions and the and the way he'll break up play. Mm. You know, we could we could have some games like the MK Dons game where we kind of give them fr- and, and Swindon where we give them free reign just outside the box. I don't think that's happening with him in midfield, is it? No, I mean. I don't think it's a coincidence that Young and O'Connor, when they're anchoring the midfield, we look more stable. Mm. And I think Evans is a specialist at that. So, you know, it, it, it that's good because it maybe frees up O'Connor or Young to go a bit further up the pitch if we want to use them that way. But again, Do you great think that we, we're going to sort of switch from like having that pivot and two midfielders to almost having two, like more a bit more defensively, so say Young and Evans or O'Connor and Evans with Lee giving a bit more free reign. Is that something that you think will... We'll switch to this year. I've been wondering that myself um, because it does free Elliot Lee up to do all sorts in the other side's half, doesn't it? The thing yeah. is, though, I, I don't know. I don't know because we tried that at the start of last season. That didn't work. And we seem to have a very well-grooved style of play. Players slot into it well. So I, I really, that's it's an intriguing question. I'd also argue that Elliot Lee, as we, which we didn't expect at the start of last season, does that donkey work in midfield really well? Yeah, he does. You know, I mean, he's he's still among the top scorers in the division, playing in that left-sided position. So I don't think there's any great imperative to change that. But yeah, I, I, I've been thinking the same thing, whether that's something we might look to move towards. Unless it's yeah, the he, case... Go on, sorry, Neil. If he's going to play that, obviously, you know, we know we play with two wing-backs, hmm. which means you're going to have three in, in midfield, really, in theory, isn't it? So... So he's, he's he's got hard choices to make as Barkey if he's going to still continue playing with with the two wing backs. I mean, I suppose uh, he'd argue that the double pivots would provide extra cover for them. Maybe they could be more attacking, possibly. And you know, I mean, you could easily convert it into that for the back he switches to when we're chasing a game by yeah. having a central centre back doing a Rafa Marquez, you know, sort of stepping into midfield, dropping back when needed. So that, that um. That midfield, you know, the, the choice we've got in midfield between uh, Evans, O'Connor, Young, Jones, Cannon, Lee and Davis, that's a that's a headache and a half to have, isn't it? Ludicrous, isn't it? <laughs> who, who would be your starting three, Neil? Just, to, you know, like if you if you had to gun to your head right now, who would you choose as your starting three? The starting three of Tramia because we look so, so much more... So better in midfield and so much more solid defensively with the three we started at Tramway. Can, can you remind me who started? Was it Jones, Young and... and... No, it was uh, Young, obviously, Ellis Lee and... O'Connor. O'Connor. Mm. Yeah. And I think that would probably be mine, although there are two codicils I definitely want to throw in, which is I think that James Jones has been excellent this season. thought he was excellent to get Newcastle again. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, so I feel... It's more an emotional one. I feel sorry for him if he misses out in that way. And the other one is, you know, is Evans going to take that role that O'Connor has? 
so it's, it's an interesting conundrum. But Parkinson's made it for himself, and it's uh, like you say, it's a very nice conundrum to have as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and the other quality with having a corner on there and, and Young, they they were alternatively taking the corners at, at Tranmere, which you know one was doing yeah. the left, one was doing the right, and you know we scored from one of those. Was it a Young corner we scored from? O'Connor. Uh, Connor, sorry, Connor. Oh, it was yeah. young, wasn't it? Yeah, it was young. Yeah, sorry, young. Yeah, so, you know they both putting great balls into the box, and I think that that's just just that they're both very strong on the corner taking, which I don't think we've got anybody else in the team who's who's so pinpoint accurate with their with their you know their dead balls into the box. I think that yeah, and they and their free kicks on on goal as well. Both of them have got that capability, haven't they, to yeah. to hit a top corner. Well, that free kick, Wrexham had when O'Connor hit the bar. It was quite yeah. fun watching beforehand, yes, uh, on the Newcastle game. Because you've got O'Connor standing there, you've got Ford there, you've got Young there. Evans was there as well. Now, not, not seen Evans taking free kicks, but he fancied it as well. And he had to clear off when he realised that there was a hierarchy. But then you can throw in Jordan Davis, Paul Mullins yeah. of that. You know, um, you've, we've got some crazy options on set pieces and free kicks where we can have a shot. It's mad. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely problem to have, isn't it? Um, oh yeah. So I, I I can't see a different starting lineup to this Saturday to compared to last Saturday. To be fair, off maybe Evans come in, but it's Parky's got some big headaches, you know, defensively and midfield. But it's you good. Know, he's that, a bit he's on strikers at the moment, but uh, choice of strikers. But uh, rest of the field, he's got massive, massive decisions to make. Our choice, our choice of of midfielders allows us to play four in the middle as well, doesn't it? With with Lee off the striker, uh, I don't personally like that. But if we're in a situation where let's, God forbid, say one of the of the you know Mullins still out and one of those strikers gets suspended or injured, <laughs> having so many in midfield gives us a, gives us a, a, an opportunity to rejig things, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, absolutely right. And we do have options up front. You know, although obviously Mullin being absent is an issue. Waters worked ever so hard. He got a hell of an ovation when he came off. Uh, just, an, I think, just an acknowledgement of of his work rate, which was was mm. terrific. Bickerstaff looked threatening again when he came on. Another case like Cleworth of the a kid bullying the kids. And yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, the strength of depth is remarkable. And then you got Oconquo, who um. There's a bloke behind me. He was he was panicking whenever a Concord got the ball. Um, <laughs> I didn't share his fear. He he was saying that he was he kept saying, "Oh, he's rubbish on with um, kicking's rubbish. His kicking's rubbish." And I think his kicking was actually very good, and I can really see Mullin getting on the end of some of those kicks and Concord having a couple of assists by the end of the season. Um, the issue. <laughs> Was his touch on the ball wasn't that great, and he was trying to do cute little drag backs and not working. As so we had that odd situation where he had that handball given against him. I'm not sure if it was harsh or not. Different angles look different. Um, but what I did notice though <laughs> was after he'd been booked for handball, well, he threw the ball away really deliberately to the corner flag, um, which is the yellow cards. The ref either didn't see it or chose not to see it. And then there was that instant where he miskicked and, and the Newcastle striker blocked it and he had to save at the Newcastle striker's feet. After that, the Newcastle striker's like lying near the edge of the area and he got the ball and walked around him. And I swear to God, he walked out of the box with the ball in his hands. But nobody seemed to notice. 
But I, I, I really, I, I've got to look at it again. I really think he just picked it up and walked out the box and back in again, just to get around yeah. the speller. <laughs> Too careful. It, it's um, he reminded me of two players in a way. He reminded me in terms of his stature and his body shape of Dennis Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the sort of like really tall, not completely skinny, but kind of lanky, you know, like long arm, like long limbs, and sort of. Had uh, probably helped that he has you know, like the cornrows, like like Dennis Lawrence had in one period as well. Like he, he had that sort of look about him, and uh, at the slight, he, he made the crowd a little bit nervous, a little bit like Jocelyn maybe used to. You know that kind of like yeah. he just has that look about him, like he's going to do something that you don't really quite know whether it's going to come off or not. <laughs> but he, remember, he's had no preseason. Of He's course, been, and, and, and I'm, you know, base, yeah. you don't, you don't win the Austrian Cup with a keeper that's completely useless to you. So exactly, and I thought his goalkeeping was good. He only had one save to make, really. He got top. down well for that as well. Yeah. Didn't need to be fair. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very encouraged. The other thing, of course, is Newcastle being a Premier League academy team. They're knocking the ball around little triangles. Didn't put any crosses in. So he didn't have a chance to show what he could do there because he certainly got the stature and the agility and the and the movement you would think, to really dominate the penalty area. I'm, I'm excited about him. I wouldn't, obviously, we need to see more, but he looks like a good keeper to me. And, and you know, He used his height yeah. well, and Newcastle had two great chances in the first half when they just slashed it over the bar. And the second one, he got out very quickly and, and stood up rather than committed himself you know, to say, OK, mate, you got a tight angle, and you're going to have to somehow get it over me and back down again. Go, go on, try your luck. And I thought that was good, the way he just forced him into having to stick her in the stand. So it's, on the spot, um, Mark, I mean, who starts Saturday then as a goalkeeper based on what you saw last night? Um, Howard. Because Howard has not done anything to to lose him his place, I would argue. I think Okonkwo is in contention, don't get me wrong, but I just think Howard, he's been excellent this season. He's, he's what, conceded two goals in four games. One of them was a penalty. Uh, he's, he's looked rock solid in the air. He's made some good saves, uh, and he's done nothing to to lose his place. I would argue. So, I think Okonkwo will be challenging for that league spot. But Howard is certainly, I think, at the moment, he's not given any reason to be dropped personally. Bill, yeah, you might have seen me like facially gesturing there because I was trying racking my brains on how I'm going to answer that. <laughs> uh, I, I think for the just. I don't disagree with Mark, but for the fairness of balance, just to put the other side of it in, we started the season with Foster as our first choice. Foster retires, you know, and we bring somebody else in, Rav, that, that's clearly looking like we're bringing in a, num- a young player that could become number one. He's not going to come here unless he's been given that assurance that he is going to be number one. So I'd expect him to start... But I do agree with Mark. I don't think Howard's done anything wrong whatsoever, and it would be a little bit harsh on him to drop him after the performances he's put in. I totally accept your point because you know we wanted to sign him permanently, didn't we? And yeah. as we failed to, that means we're going to have to persuade him to sign for us next summer. Well, if he spends the whole season watching football, he's probably going to go somewhere else, isn't he? Yeah, but, but maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Another another great headache to have. I mean. Maybe it's one of those that he just has a couple more of these cup games before Parky gives him his chance. Like you say, Mark, if he's not had much of a preseason, 
it it could be that he just he just plays the cups for the next couple of months just to bed him in. But I think long term, like you say, you know, if you're trying to convince a young talented keeper to come to the club, you're giving him a a chance. But to be honest, it's not it's not like you know in previous years when you're like you know, it's like choosing between a chocolate teapot or a chocolate fire guard. Like you know, it's it's. <laughs> I'd be happy with either of those starting, to be honest. What about you, Neil? I would go 100% for Howard because, as Mark said, you know, he's done nothing wrong. You know, the, he's made some great saves, I think, because he knows the defence and they work better as a team. And I very agree with, you know, the new keeper. I think he needs a few more games, as you say, in, in these cup games to get to know the way the, play, the team plays properly. But I would, I would have Howard start 100%. Saturday and maybe for the next three or four home four games in the league. I mean, I I think, I, I, I think Howard looks better this year than last year. To be honest, he, does, yeah. he looks yeah. more confident. He looks more settled. I just he's, I just think he's been impeccable this season. To be fair, um, yeah, and that, that confidence comes from having a good defence in front of you as well. So, no, I, I think I think as well in this division you're less likely to be ran into, to be shoulder barged, to have elbows flying in from defenders. You know, it, it, you know, I'm not I'm not under any illusions. Like League Two is still a really physical league, but it's not the same as coming across a team like I don't know, who's the bruises? Bromley, Boreham Wood, you know, these oh, teams Wood, that, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. The old battering ram sides that, that aren't interested in playing football. They just want to injure as many of your players as possible. Oh, Histon. Oh. Was it Histon, was it Histon that brought no fans? Yeah. Was Histon that brought no fans? That was so funny. I don't know if you, you guys remember, but the the like uh oh, what was the chant? Oh, did, we were we were singing about the empty seats and eyes. Oh, just that was that was one of the most bizarre games I've ever been to. Yeah. There's also Histon, who, of course, sold us Nat Knight Percival, a centre-back playing on yeah. the wing, which, again, tells us a lot about <laughs> the style of football. And, of course, as I'm sure I've mentioned before, it was Histon who were threatened that their coach was going to be uh, rammed off the motorway on the way back from a Wrexham game because they owed money to people that you don't really want to owe money to. Wow. Oh, dear. <laughs> and soon after, that it didn't happen, but soon afterwards... Their club secretary's car exploded in the car park at the stadium. Wow! I'm I'm so glad we're out of that league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they are. To be fair, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, right, I suppose I suppose that's it about Newcastle. We've got Crew and Port Vale to look forward to. Um, Port Vale beat too- Crew, didn't they? Did they? What was the score? One nil. Vale yeah. Park. So, do we play two two games? Home is it home and away, or do we just play one fixture? Just one. So we got Port Vale at home. We got Crew away. So that's two potentially tasty away. games. Yeah. And remember, there's that weird thing about penalty shootouts in league games. Mm. So yes, is it? So do you get a point then if it's a draw? Yeah. Is it you get one extra point? Yeah. yeah. So if, if it had been a draw last night, we'd have had the penalty shootout. We'd have both got one point for the draw, and the winners of the shootout get a bonus point, which I think is it's it's different. I don't see the point of it, but it's different. But what I would say is, I think you should make it four points for a win then. Yeah. So there is an actual a greater reward for actually beating the team on the pitch. Or yeah, just I, I, I quite like that. Four for a win, two for a penalty shootout win, 
One for a draw, not for a loss. Or, or just have just have penalty shootout after every single game. So if you lose, you still get an opportunity to get a point. I, I don't know. Like you know, yeah. it's just yeah, yeah. You're rewarding mediocrity, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. If you, if you win back. all your games, you can't get bonus points. Admittedly, if you win all your games, you're through. But you know, if you draw your games, <laughs> you, you, you get a chance to get the bonus. Yeah, and you, and you bring it in. You get you get battered every week. Uh, no, you get battered five nil, and then win the penalty shootout. So you come yeah. away with a point. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, we've we're not playing crew until the tenth of October, which is just quite a way away, really, isn't it? And then. The next set of fixtures are in November then. So it's quite it's quite spaced out, which I suppose is, is pretty good in terms of the, the fitness side of things. But it, it's it's a trophy that doesn't really start getting interested until you're in the knockout rounds, does it? Because as soon as you've got an opportunity to win it, then I think you, you start taking notice. Exactly right. You just see how, how low down on the project list it is for Parkinson, you know, I'm sure. FA Cup would be coming up around October time, wouldn't it? So uh, I, I just said it was bottom until we got knocked out of the League Cup and they might take it a little bit more seriously. Although I think in the group games, we'll still play the second string or the, the needing fitness team or whatever it, whatever you'd want to call it. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be bottom of those priorities, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, FA Cup, yeah. win a couple of games and you could be playing Man United and getting a million quid out of one game. Yeah, so, and then we beat them, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. So. <laughs> well, the way they're playing at the moment, uh, <laughs> why not? Anyway, um, after this, chaps, we've got a, an interview with uh, two te- well, no, near near teenagers, uh, two girls from one from America and one from uh, Shrewsbury. We had a little chat with them the other didn't we? It was really interesting that they've they've connected over Wrexham FC. I won't I won't spoil too much. Uh, but they they've been having a chat with each other over the internet, and it was fascinating to actually see two of the we've connected with a lot of of international fans, but to see two of the younger generation connect was amazing, wasn't it, Neil? Uh, it was it was a lovely, lovely story, you know. Uh, neither of them were Wrexham fans previously either, which was great, and they've they've just connected just over the love of Wrexham FC, and I mean they'll see the interview and and you know two nice girls, and they're they're going to meet up at one of the games coming up in the future, so. Yeah, lovely, lovely story. Yeah, and so after, after this, go on, go on, Mark. <laughs> that video reveal that she was going to America as well. It's a record. Oh, it was, it was. But well, as soon as I saw that, I had to get in touch because it yeah. was like, you, you know, I, I, I was a nerd as a kid and I spent a lot of time on the internet and, but it was pre video chat. So, it, you know, to, to actually see that that kind of thing still happens, it was quite, it was quite nice. Uh, anyway, anyway, after this, we'll have our interview with Sydney and Carly. I'm Amy Davis, and this is Dragonheart. So I'm here with with Neil and Sid and Carly, and we're going to talk a little bit about your relationship. So Sid, why don't you introduce yourself first to the listeners? Um, My name is Sydney Greenberg. I live in New York in the USA, and I play for bunch of different soccer teams in the states okay and how old are you then i'm 12 years old and so you say you live in new york is that new york city or the state no just the state okay <laughs> and Not carly 
I, I, oh, look, I'm sure every, every, everywhere is a bit more glamorous than Wrexham. Uh, <laughs> Carly, you introduce yourself a little bit, please. Okay. So, hi, I'm Carly Stewart. Um, I'm 11. I live in England and I play for Wrexham. Oh, brilliant. So you're part of the, the Wrexham team then. So is it? Yeah. Where where in England do you live? And near Shrewsbury. Ah, okay. Whereabouts is that? Because Neil's Shropshire as well. Just south of Shrewsbury. Oh, just south. Okay, great. Um, Okie doke. So, so what led you to support Wrexham then, if you live in, in just outside of Shrewsbury and not Shrewsbury? Well, I used to play for Shrewsbury Town and then I got dropped and I wanted to still play for an academy. So I trialled for Exum, I got in and then we started watching the men's team and started following them and then Gemma invites us to watch one of the women's team matches. Okay. So we went along to watch that and then ever since then we've supported them. That's it. Do you hook now? Yeah. That's that's exactly what I was going to say, Neil. You're hooked now, then, are you, Carly? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so, Sid, how how did um how did your uh Rex and fandom start? All right, so basically, it was probably the Welcome to Rexham show. I thought it was really interesting, and my dad told me about it, and then. I just thought it was really interesting that a team went from like down here to farther up, and um, and then basically I just sort of got hooked also with it. So, do, so you do... never heard of Wrexham beforehand, then, Sid? No. Uh, probably not before the show. No. I, I don't blame you. It's not not many people, <laughs> even even in the UK, there's a fair few people haven't heard of Wrexham before the show. So, well, a lot of them not even heard of Wales. So, <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> So then how did you guys start speaking to each other? How how does something like that start? Facebook. Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we started chatting online and then like Yeah. It, it started. Got, both the same interests in football or were both because of Wrexham? Basically um, like soccer and Wrexham. It just yeah. yeah. So, do, how do you even find somebody else the same age as you on on the internet? Like, how you, you know, at your age, I'm sure you don't have a lot of access to social media. So, how do those conversations yeah, so, start? Um, my dad posted a picture yeah. of me wearing a Wrexham jersey, um, and um, Jess saw the photo. I'm pretty sure, and um, yeah, and then yeah, she started talking about Carly, and then we like went on the chat, and yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. So, how long have you two been speaking with each other for then? Um, about six months. Yeah. Wow. And not met up in person then yet, no? Uh, no, not yet. Any plans to? October. Yeah. <laughs> which which game is it you go into? Sutton. Yeah, Sutton. Again, Sutton. Nice. Is that a Saturday game? I, I can't remember all the fixtures off the top uh, of my head. No, I think it's... Tuesday. Oh, see, now, 
I don't know whether Neil will agree, but the night games are the best to go to because the atmosphere is always much better. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. And the floodlights. Yeah, Especially yeah. The floodlights, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do, do you two speak to each other every day then? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I, I bet you're a little bit nervous about meeting each other, aren't you? Or is it no, more exciting? No, I, I'm extremely excited. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So what what couple of quick fire questions. You don't have to give me massive answers. Carly, what position do you play? I like midfield, but I'll play anywhere apart from in goal. <laughs> How about you, Sid? Um mostly offensive and wing sometimes. Uh, are you gonna go for a kickabout? When yeah, you're gonna go kick the ball with each other. Oh well, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere. But... Somewhere. <laughs> you have to find somewhere. We'll find a place. There's there's a few parks not too far from the ground, so I'm sure you could find somewhere. Uh, you know, on the on the night that you go to play football. Um, yeah. Carly, favorite Wrexham player, men's and women's. Oh, um, well, the men's team I really like. All of them. I like Bentos, he always chats to me. I like Luke Young, he's really good. Um Elliot Lee well. Luke Young is my favourite player as well. <laughs> and Ole because I was his mascot at Wembley. Oh wow. I bet he was like triple the size of you, wasn't he? Because he's massive. Yeah. I was triple <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Sid? Um Ollie Palmer is probably my favourite. Um, and then Paul Mullen, he's, I like the Paul Mullen chant, super Paul Mullen. Um, <laughs> so yeah. do you watch the streams over here? Do you watch the live streams in the UK? Yes. Yeah. He's improved as a player this season? Pardon me? Do you think he's improved as a player this season? He looks a lot trimmer and fitter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just worried for him about his injury. When does he come back? Wait, no, you're thinking of Paul oh, Ollie. Um, Ollie yeah. the tall guy with the beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then Elliot Lee. Oh, yeah. Another guy with Elliot Lee. For me, for the women's team, I really like Lily Jones. She's kind of like my position, like central midfield. But I like Rose as well, scoring all the goals. Oh, yeah. And I, I've not seen the, the women's team much just because they they play in roast don't they or they were playing in roast and i haven't had a chance to see them but that game at the race course did you manage to go to that yeah i was a mascot for it oh yeah. are, are you ever not a mascot <laughs> um... <laughs> i'm only joking i'm only joking that's that's great so who which player were your mascot for with um that game phoebe nice phoebe davis yeah Oh, so which, which did you prefer then, walking out onto the race course or walking out in Wembley? Um, well, I loved the like the atmosphere at Wembley and there were loads of crowds, but uh, like the race course is just home ground, so yeah, good answer. <laughs> and do um, you hope to play for the Rex and Ladies in one day? Yeah, I hope so. Very good, very good. Hey, Sid, you never know. You might be coming over to to live in Wrexham from America if you get if you get good enough. 
yeah. or, or if we get good enough for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I suppose it's a bit of a shame, really, because you won't have you been able to watch many of the women's games, Sid, or is it something that? Mm, no, not... it's just like hard to get it through streams, and they're mostly at different times than here. It's I, it's harder to see. I think next season we're going to stream. Yeah, I think plans may be in place that we may be able to be going to stream the ladies' games as yeah. well. So I'm, I'm, I can't guarantee that. I think they're looking at doing that for you as well, oh, so yeah. women's yeah. games as well. Yeah. Yeah, but, definitely. We are going to. Which which would be great oh. because it, it, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, that kind of extra attention. And, and I, I think for the international fans, it's great as well because I know uh, – Especially in the US, you're a lot more in tune with with women's uh, football than we are over here. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's much more popular in the US, isn't it? And yeah, it'd be nice, you know, for the for the women to showcase their abilities as well. Um, yeah. And do you play for your local school team as well, then, Sid? Yes, I do. Yeah, is that j- just for school? There's no like your, um, the town you live in. You don't play for them as well, or it, just yeah. School? So this there's oh sorry um. There's a there's tryouts for the school team I think on Wednesday and but there's a travel team also so like um yeah basically the school and the town mostly okay and you play for both of them or well it this is your first year you can play for school yeah it's... so and and over here school doesn't start until seventh grade where they can play for the school so this is her first uh, year okay. That you'll yeah. play for them, and we don't have an academy structure like you guys do over there. So we have a, our town has a, a soccer club that does like travel to the local towns around us. Yeah. So she's uh-huh. gonna she does that in the summers, and then school is a fall time yeah. sport here. Okay, oh, that's great. It's uh, it's interesting that it's so different, and I know especially with the the college system in America, sports are just you know we we're, we're linked by so much like language and what have you, but the the sports is just so different abroad isn't it uh, especially in the US so tell tell me girls what's your your plan then for when when Sid comes over well we're going to she's going to come and watch a match so she'll yep. see where like we sit and then hopefully we'll see a bit of Wales like castles yeah we have one full day in Wales two 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 yeah. oh two full days in Wales brilliant <laughs> is when, it, yeah. when is the game do you know what what date is it? Anybody? Twenty third, I think. Twenty fourth. Oh, yeah. Twenty fourth. We arrive in Wales on the twenty third from London, and and then the games on Tuesday, the twenty fourth of, of October. This month, October. Yeah. Well, yeah. You no know way you're sitting in the ground at all. Whether you can come and say hello, just yeah. She's sitting like yeah. We're right sitting yeah. In the... In the Wrexham Lager stand, like near the bottom, three rows back. Both come and say hello to us on the media team and, and have a little chat on the radio. Maybe we'll have to try and do that. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I, I don't I, sit. You guys met to, to you know the rest of the world. You listen to the 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 live commentary for the games. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm sure yeah. uh, Mark, I, I'd love to have you both on. Yeah, um, I love listening to Mark Griffiths. Like his commentary. <laughs> Thanks, Carly. <laughs> Mark's all right, but we we're the best too from Dragonheart and the commentary team. Don't li- don't listen to him. Me and Neil are the best. <laughs> well, g- 
girls, it's been it's been great speaking to you. We won't take up too much more of your time. Just just a, a couple more quick fires, Carly. How do you think we're going to do this season? Um, I think we'll definitely like. I think we'll do quite well. It's going to be tough, but hopefully we'll either get get like straight promotion or like in the playoffs. You think we'll score more goals when Mullen comes back? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Sid? How where do you think we're going to finish? Um, I think we're going to finish really strong because when Paul Mullen comes back, there's going to be a lot more goals because he's like, sorry, he's like, like I don't know. I think he's great at offensive positions, and he's he's going to score a lot of goals. Yes, I mean that's a problem at the moment. We're creating lots of chances, but we're not yeah. scoring the goals at the moment. Yeah, we need Malin to finish them. We do. That's right. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Well, girls, it's been fantastic speaking to you both. Um, we'll we'll finish the recording there. Can't wait for you you to come over and to see all the stuff on on social media. Said, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy Wrexham and Wales as 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 much as yeah. you know you can, and yeah. uh, and. You know, if we don't see you when you come over, good luck in your in your football careers as well, because I'm sure you'll both you'll both do really well. I'm Steve Dale, and this is Dragonheart. I'll hit record. Okay. Okay, and after this, we'll be listening to another fantastic segment from Mike the Ref. Explain the process. So, who can become a referee? Anybody. Uh, I'm going to speak about the English FA system because, bizarrely, in Wales, we because we're in Wales, we play in the English system. We get English referees. So, I won't mention the women's women's because they play in Wales. They get Welsh referees. But I'll talk about the um, the structure in the FAs. So. Anyone can be a referee. All you do is uh, go to your county FA referees department. Every uh, on the snooze, the boarding. Uh, every county FA in England has a referee development officer, and every county has a county FA. So, for example, one across the border would be the Cheshire FA. So you go there. You go. I want to be a referee. They go. Here you go. Here's a now an online course. 
you do the online course, you pass an exam, and then you go and have a practical session with the referee development officer. And once you've done that, you are then a qualified referee. Uh, in England, there are seven levels of refereeing, one to seven. So level seven is the, the bottom where you start. So you will generally start with youth football, junior football, one man is dog teams with local parks. So real bottom of the pile amateur stuff um, that goes on week in, week out, which is to be fair, is the, uh, the foundation of the, the rock bed of um, or the bedrock of football. So, bottoms is then you go and do your games, you do five games and you're fully accredited. You can then apply for promotion. So, even for level six, so generally uh, referees are doing quite well, got a little bit of potential, we'll, we'll then get promoted to level six. Uh, they might get observed, they might get uh, a little bit of coaching. Um, then they can go to level five. Level five is what's known as a senior county uh, referee. Uh, these are, will referee generally county FA Cup games. Uh, they will referee on the county league. So, for example, I'll use Cheshire for example. Um, the referees at level five will referee on the county's most senior league, which is generally their county league in Cheshire's Cheshire League, Lancashire Lancashire League, and uh, West Lancashire and East Lancashire. Um, and they go on. So from there, the next big step up is to level four. Uh, when I talk about steps of football in the non-league period, when we last year, when all those years ago, Wrexham in the National League, that's step one of the non-league pyramid. So referees then at level four will referee at steps five and six. So being in the northwest or near to the border, our leagues are the Northwest Counties Leagues Division, Premier Division Division one north and south. They're the leagues I mainly observe on as well. So if, out of them, if the referees do well on the observer marks and the clubs get a say, the clubs will mark the referee at the, at the end of each game, the referees, the FA will make a decision on what referees to promote to level three. So level three, again, will be another step up. So that's the Northern Premier League, uh, as it is in, in the area that Wrexham fans will probably be familiar with. You've got Southern League and the, um, can't remember the other one, I think it's the, it's the South West one. So there's three leagues pyramid down at that level. So referee in that. So again, same principle, we'll get assessed. Not every game, but most games will be assessed. Uh, and then from that, they'll go to level two, which is uh, National League North, or they'll go to level two B now, National League North, same process, uh, and then go to National Level 2A, which is National League. Um, and again, at National League, it changes slightly where they are assessed every game and they will be promoted on referee observers' marks. So I think I've covered the referees' observers' marks in a previous topic. So again, the top referees from there, normally the four or five every season, will then get promoted to the EFL and they'll referees in Leagues 1 and 2. Um, the bottom referees will get demoted and down the pyramid you'll notice uh, there's probably less demotions than there are promotions due to referees retiring but referees can get removed and demoted to um, up and down the levels like clubs can get promoted and relegated so once they've 
they do well at EFL, League One or Two, they might be invited to go referee in the Championship, and then the Premier League, and then the top ten referees in England will get on to the, the FIFA referees list. Um, so you all start as a volunteer, you work your way up, uh, you then become semi-professional and professional. Uh, for example, National League referees get about £125 a game. Um, as you go down, you get less level seven referees doing youth football will get up to £20, £25 a game. So it's all voluntary, it's all an experience. I'm not going to comment on various referees, how they got there. Some... I'm Mia Roberts and this is Dragon Heart. First pre-season friendly at the Rock, Mark, against uh, Crew. Yes, One for the family to get down to. Three tickets. So what's not to Perfect. like? So Crew FC, AFC, and it's a test event, essentially, for being prepared for uh, the top division matches to come. So last friendly of the pre-season before they get into the serious business against Swansea City. There have been some interesting signings as well. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to, to get along there and see how they're shaping up. Yeah, they signed a couple of ex-Premier uh, well, women's Premier League players. I mean, they, whether those players were actually in the women's Premier League or not, I'm not sure. Was an ex-Aston Villa player, is it an ex-Liverpool player? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was always going to be you know, investment in the, the playing side once we'd gone semi-pro, wasn't there? So... Yeah, they need strength and depth too. Not as many games in the season, but the, the amount of games builds up more when you're in that league because the league splits mm. and goes into a, a final stage. So yeah. So it's you like know. it's like the um the men's Welsh Premier League then, yeah. is it in that sense? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll need a quality in depth just like the men's team, won't we? I've got hiccups. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> And um, yeah, so get get yourself up to that. That'll be a, a fantastic game to go and watch, especially for free. Uh, and then we'll be the men's will be playing Doncaster on Saturday. How do you fancy us for that, Neil? That's as I say, that's one of the games I think that we could put three or four goals past them, as you said earlier. You know, we're the highest scoring team, but also the highest conceding team. But um, though Doncaster did have a good result, was it nil draw they had, which was uh, yeah against Swindon. In Swindon, so yeah, they've tightened the, the you know their defence up. But um, come to Wrexham, we play like they have been doing. I, I can't see anything but a win, and look, we're looking forward to the game on Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, it's always nice when the Saturday games are all around, isn't it? It's 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 great to have the season back, isn't it, Mark? Oh yeah, it's not too bad. The birds are singing. <laughs> they are at Neil's anyway. I can hear them. <laughs> And everything is right with the world. Until we oh, lose. brilliant! Until we lose, did you say yeah. that? <laughs> that'll be less good, won't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, well, it, I think Neil's put the Kai Bosch on it now. We're going to lose two or three nil. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, it's like Halifax, and we did lose, so yeah, it could be right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's been a great show, lads. Um, you can find us all three of us on Twitter. Uh, you can also find the Dragon Heart Show as at Dragon Heart Show. Um, subscribe on on all the places that you get pods: SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe, notifications on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know the drill by now. Um, we have been Mark Griffiths, Neil Williams, and Bill Long.
I'm Tommy Kaus, and this is Dragonheart. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.